Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have a mother from Florida. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hi, good. How are you, Ryan? Doing well. So your son, Julian, um, was diagnosed with XXY in utero, and um, we'd kind of just like to have you tell your story. Sure. So um, we found out about Julian having XXY through the um, test. I think I was around four and a half, five months pregnant, and it was on November 12th of 2018. And it came up, um, XXY, and my doctor actually called me when I was on my way to teach yoga classes at the hospital. Um, that, that's my profession. And um, she called me and she just said, hey, so this came back on the test and it looks like Julian has XXY. So um, that could be low muscle tone, um, delay in um, speech and he might be really tall and, you know, he, he probably will have some learning disabilities. So if you want, um, you can get an amnio or if you're interested in abortion, um, you know, just let me know what you want to do. And so I totally had a panic attack and had to pull over and cancel my classes because I've never heard of XXY and the way that my doctor explained it I mean it, it really just sounded like she was reading it off of Google so I came home and my husband was over in Europe and uh, so my mom flew in from North Carolina same day to be with me which was you know really helpful Dang. and uh, we did research yeah <laughs> we did research and we found you so and how 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 many years ago was this that was 2018 November of 2018. So I, I, I found your website, Living with XXY, and I watched some of the YouTube videos and I read everything. And I felt like, sorry, I'm getting so emotional. I felt like, okay, we got this. No problem. Well, the next day, um, my doctor called me again. And she said that Fragile X came up as well and I was like what the hell is that and apparently that's something genetic that came up for me too and it was um after I mean I researched the paperwork and my aunt's a nurse and had her look at everything and basically long story short was that Julian and I are three points above normal for fragile x so it was like 55 I think he had 58 and when you see any um, effects of fragile X is at 200 and my doctor didn't say anything she just yeah you know you might have French fragile X which is you know really low IQ and um, severe mental um, disabilities and that's what she told me and then it was like well if you want to amnio to see if Julian really has these things or you know if you want to do abortion just let me know it sounds like she was just like no empathy, no understanding, like just just cut and dry, like rude in some ways. Yeah, it was awful. I was so I was so upset, and that you know, because my gynecologist that I've had for many years, 
doesn't do OB. So I went to this new practice, which around town was, you know, highly recommended, but, um, yeah, it didn't, didn't turn out so great. And, um, you know, she kept asking me if I want to get my tubes tied as well. And <laughs> just like, uh, don't ask me any more questions. And, um, but yeah, so we decided to go to, uh, through with an amnio. Uh, that was right before Christmas. And, you know, with scheduling and everything, it was really hard. And um, we did it. And I cried the, you know, the entire time. And it came back that he, you know, had XXY and the fragile X was minor. We talked to, uh, um, like I said, three points above normal. It didn't, like nothing. Um, and we talked to a genetics counselor, um, which was helpful, but also at the same time, they didn't have a lot of answers. You know, because everything's on a spectrum here. And, you know, it's just like, well, it could be, you know, this could happen or that could happen. And, you know, but it, they were very kind. They were very supportive. And, you know, th that was a better practice, you know, <laughs> doctor's practice. So once, so the, even though they didn't really give you very much information, was it, something that like was able to ease your mind because of all the emotional stress and, and hardship that your like that your OBGYN was giving you? Um, I mean, I think they were, because it was a, uh, what is it? Uh, advanced maternal um, doctors. I'm, I'm probably saying that wrong, but um, they're used to, I mean, I was what, 38 when I had Julian? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think they, they've seen quite a bit, you know, with, with, um, quote unquote older mothers and, and, you know, uh, different pregnancies and so on. So, um, you know, the doctors almost every time I went in there and I went in like every two weeks, you know, they'd hold my hand and say, gosh, this has been really tough, hasn't it? you're okay. Baby's doing great. Everything's good. Like they were, I just preferred seeing them than my OB. So I was very happy to see the last time I saw her and I left that practice. Did you, like when you left that practice, did you say anything or did you try to like educate them or was it just something that you were just like, okay, they're, they're like, there's no hope there. Um, I did talk to her. Uh, a couple of times and it was interesting because after the amnio and everything was you know kind of confirmed everything and and um julian was doing so great and my pregnancy was going great um she was just like yeah you know i've never had um a patient with uh XX, you know that's having an xxy baby before and i said well i will tell you that that experience that you and i shared is not my favorite at all. That was very heartbreaking to me and it caused me a lot of stress. And she just kind of put her head down. I don't think she realized it. And then interesting a lot, interestingly enough, a couple months later, she said, oh, I have a client that I think it was uh, XXYY. And I said, okay, I hope that you were a little more you know, informative and supportive. And then she asked me if I wanted to tie my tubes again. <laughs> I was just like, oh no. Jeez. Yeah. 
overstepping yeah. her overstepping her uh, medical career into other people's personal lives. Um, so yeah. you obviously decided to keep your son and, and, um, what was the rest of your pregnancy like? And, and what were the, what was like the first, you know, what was pregnancy? What was the first year of his life? So pregnancy, uh, first three months, I was actually, you know, pretty nauseous, which I didn't have that with my daughter who, who will be 13 next week. Um, you know, I was pretty nauseous with Julian and then it was easy peasy. Um, you know, after the amnio, uh, my husband and I, we went over to Istanbul, Turkey for uh, New Year's and had a great time. So Julian, you know, obviously came along for the ride and my C-section birth was great. He did wonderful. He had a little bit of jaundice. Um, he was eight pounds, nine ounces when he was born. And Honestly, the best baby in the world. I mean, the sweetest little thing. He got, um, you know, his passport, you know, because he's a dual citizen uh, with Germany and the United States. And he took his first, um, out of (laughs) pregnancy, took his first trip to Germany when he was about three months old. And he was, he did amazing on the plane. Amazing. And so when you, when you had him, when you had him through C-section and they gave you, you know, they gave him to you, did Kleinfelder syndrome cross your mind or, or, you know, did any of the worries and things that you were just told to terminate and all these awful things, did any of that cross your mind? No, no. And, and the thing about that, I about the whole, you know, abortion in someone. I, that was never an option for me. Um, It may be an option for someone else in regards to what they have going medically. Do I feel that XXY is grounds for abortion? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And that's, it's my opinion. I mean, and honestly, not knowing what was going on um, with it and then finding your website. Thank God. I mean, I have told you this before, Ryan. I mean, you saved our lives. I mean, it was just, I had no idea. So for me, the type of person I am to be the best mom I can be, I have to do research. I have to find everything out, you know, whether Julian had XXY or not. Like, I want to edu- my, educate myself as much as possible so I can guide my children to be good human beings, you know? So your website in regards to XXY was super, super helpful. Um, you know, raising Julian, it's, XXY can be a little tricky because it is on the spectrum. And so you're kind of like, is this just, traditional like normal toddler behavior or is this xxy and what i started to do is well this is julian so we're going to figure out what's best for julian you know and take everything kind of in account let's do some research and then let's you know figure out what works best for him so what are some of the challenges how old is he now he will be three in may Okay. And so what are some of the challenges that you faced and how have you, yeah, I like, you know, I I just had a mom on yesterday and she talked about how like 
this is cast. This is the, these are the things that he struggles with. These are the things that he's really good at. And we're like, we're changing our parenting style to fit with what Cass needs and what, what we need to teach him. So really giving him, giving Julian that like individual parenting style where you're not going to raise him exactly like you raised your daughter is like really important. So what have mm-hmm. some of the challenges been that you've been like, is this XXY or is this just a boy being one, two or three? Yeah. No, I, I like that. You have to, you have to parent to the individual child. You can't take a blanket approach. I just don't think that works. Um, so with Julian, I mean, as a baby, he was just easy peasy, great sleeper, just amazing toddler time got a little hairy <laughs> um especially now so um we actually are a part of the uh, extraordinary baby study uh with the uh children's hospital in colorado with dr t's group and that's been so helpful so we had some um because COVID hit we had some um virtual visits with them so he walked a little later um, but Dr. T was able to pick it up that he needed OT um, quick, you know, like two weeks before he starts walking. She's like, you, you got to get him into OT. He'll start walking, you know, soon, but you need to get him to OT. And picking up on those things of low muscle tone, that's been um, challenging so we do a lot of like the the play time that we have we work on you know sensory things grasping picking things up building um muscle tone and so on so it's pretty active um and there's and what was so interesting is they were small little things i would never have picked up on you know so so thankfully you know dr t telling me these things doing the research on your website, working with our doctors here and getting him OT, they're educating me on things that to, to see. So we have, you know, some, some occupational um, OT things that we're working on. And then speech um, is slow coming, but it's there. He, he, can, he can string about, you know, three, four words together, but he also has... Um, Apoxia. So his, the muscles, he has, because of the low muscle tone, he has low muscle tone in his mouth, which I never really would have put two and two together. Um, and so sometimes he wants to say something, but his mouth doesn't make that shape to make that noise. You know what I mean? So he's getting frustrated, like at three, trying to speak, wanting to say what he wants to say but can't get it out. So then he's probably using some form of like other expressive, not necessarily anger because he's so, he's so young, but something along those lines. Oh yeah, for sure. So a lot of times, like we, I try to use as many things to communicate with him as possible, but I try to encourage him to communicate. So I don't speak for him. Um, cause I did that a lot in the beginning. And then, so now he's, he's got to try. So we work on, um, naming feelings with that when he does get frustrated, when people don't understand, I think it's easier at home with the family because we're used to him 
saying things, whereas at his little school, they do a wonderful job with him. But sometimes the other kids don't understand him. And so that can lead to some frustrations with like sharing and, you know, playtime. But it's getting better. I, and the speech therapist that, that works with Julian is incredible. His OT therapist the same. We go every week, twice a week, and then we work on things at home and at school. It's coming. It's just, you know, right now it's, it's just a little bit of a challenge. But man, is he a sweet kid. I mean, he's just such a little lover. <laughs> so he's, it's kind of, and you know, it's so crazy. This photographic memory that Julian has is incredible. And at such a young age, when we're driving, he knows where his Gigi, his grandparents live, what direction to go to. He knows where our favorite restaurants are. And he, so if he wants to go to Gigi's house and we don't go in that direction, he certainly lets me know. And he'll point and so on. And he, he remembers things. And I mean, it's, it's incredible. And even Ryland, who's going to be 13, she couldn't tell you how to get to our house, which boggles my mind. And he's three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So again, every kid's different. I mean, you know, Ryland has straight A's and she's super intelligent, but that's just not one of her, you know, things. And that's all right. So, so you're with Julian. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no, no I'm go. just saying. So with Julian, he has, you know, he has things that he's super, super excellent on. And then there's some things that are, you know, a little tricky. And that happens with everybody. Yeah, I think, and I think that that's something that's not really, like, when you Google Kleinfelder syndrome or when you, like, learn about it, you don't learn about, that's why I started this nonprofit organization was because you don't learn about the positives. You don't learn about the things that we're good at. The only thing you would learn about is all the health problems, the negative, the likely to end up in jail or be a murderer or serial killer, like, all these horrible things. And when you're a pregnant mother and you're learning that your child has this and doctors are saying you should probably terminate because of low IQ and all these things, they don't ever tell you what the positives are and what these like kids are capable, what we are capable of. And, um, I I wanted to ask, so you're part of the extraordinary kids clinic. Did you do the early testosterone? No, we did not. It's not recommended for, for Julian. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've read that it's really helped some you know I just again it's it, the thing I, I think what I like the most about Julian having XXY and having the experience we've had as a family with this is that it really keeps you one in the present moment it really keeps you wanting to do research and educate yourself on everything and it also really demonstrates how wonderful and unique everyone is and having XXY and being aware of you having it just, I think brings it to light in in a really positive way. And I think a lot of people, you know, don't have that, um, you know, not everybody's perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect human being. And so everybody has their, 
you know, certain things that they're really good at or certain things that they're not. And, you know, as you're growing up, sometimes those are, you get made fun of for those things. Sometimes you get put down or, or disciplined for those things. And really it, it adds to you as a whole, like you just being a wonderful person. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm walking, breathing, living it. I mean, even though yeah. I, I didn't Google Kleinfelder cinnamon until I was 31 years old, um, when, mm-hmm. which kind of led me on this journey of starting this nonprofit, um, I knew my strengths and I knew my, the things that I wasn't good at. And I focused on, I focused on my strengths and, and not until I was older when I realized like, okay, if I read more, I could probably have better vocabulary to help express to help my expressive language, like some of the challenges that the re the spelling and some of those other things. So if I do those uncomfortable things more then eventually I'll get better at it and I won't have to struggle as much. But, um, so as far as you, you're part of the study and, and you didn't do the testosterone, which is totally okay. Cause I think a lot of, mm-hmm. I think what's happening with that is a lot of families are seeing that, Oh, it's doing positive things. So a lot of families just automatically think that, Oh, their son needs it too. And, um, that's mm-hmm. when, that's when like educating yourself and making yourself really aware of your son and, and w- where he's at medically, where he's at like emotionally. And some of those things is extremely important. Um, so you talked about some of the things that you're doing at home and like with, you know, the DIY kind of like you have the, ther- you have the OT and, and the therapy. And then what are some of these mm-hmm. amazing qualities about your son? Oh, he's funny. He's really funny. And he, like I said, he, ha- he has an excellent photographic memory. He, play soccer at school like once a week and he's actually really good and he you know he can kick the ball so we play at home and you know he's he's active and he loves to be outside and swim and you know right now he's you know he, he was into cars for a while and so now we're into nature especially you know um animals that live or i should say fish whales sharks you know in the ocean we like we like water animals so and that's what he's into and he every time he sees one he'll point out what they are the color you know how many and so on and he he's a little love bug he loves to you know give hugs and kisses and snuggle and hold hands and you know and that's great do you get a lot of compliments going out with him like he's a cute kid like some of the do random people come oh my up gosh. to you? All the time. All the time. Julian has really long lashes. Now, I'd like to take credit for that because I have long lashes too. <laughs> <laughs> but he has, he has beautiful, big blue eyes and long lashes. And he's a very, very cute kid. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody stops or they'll say, um, oh, he's going to be a heartbreaker. That's That's the big one that we get. I think all of us have gotten that at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether we have the confidence to do it or not is another thing. But um, so let's see, what was I just? Oh, so when you first found out about his diagnosis and your, you know, your husband was in um, Germany and your mom, flew, yeah. your mom flew in. So then you let your mom know about this. Did you 
tell other family when you first found out and, and has your, obviously you're doing a podcast, you've shared your story on our blog. So you're obviously yeah. more open about it. Have you always been that way or has it changed and evolved through learning about your son? No, I, I've always been open about it. Um, and again, my thing is, I have nothing to hide. This is my son and I love him, period. Just like my daughter, I have nothing to hide. This is my daughter and I love her, period. There's, you know, we are who we are. Um, now, I, I will say that for my husband, it was different. But again, you know, different culture being um, from Germany, he wasn't really wanting to to share this information. For the sheer fact, he didn't want anybody to treat Julian differently because they were miseducated, which I understood. But we need to talk about these things so people can be educated, so we can bring awareness. So... Actually, I wanted to tell you, um, the, the um, XXY organization in Germany, in Hamburg, um, my husband's actually a member of, and they do um, seminars and so on. So he's doing that in Germany, educating himself, especially in his own language. And then, you know, we do our stuff with, you know, with you guys and with our team of doctors. So, no, I, I don't, I don't have an issue because, you know, it, and usually the reaction I get is if I say, yeah, you know, Julian has um, XXY, they'll say, well, what's that? And I'll say, well, he has an extra X in his chromosome. And I said, and I'll, the first thing I list is all the wonderful things about it. And they're like, oh, okay. And I said, yeah, but, you know, his speech is a, you know, a little bit delayed, but we're getting there. And that's it. So I'm you- not trying to sugarcoat it, but that's what it is for us. Yeah. And and that's the thing is it's a different diagnosis for different people. And some, some of them, 75% of our community doesn't find out and they never find out and they actually, the men die never knowing. So for, for that, that amount of people that aren't finding a diagnosis, my perspective on that is we all need to kind of raise awareness about it and open up about it and educate people about it because that 75% deserves to know about their diagnosis before they die. And the more voices that we have and the more people that are telling the positives, but also telling the real, like what the real world is about this diagnosis. um, It's, it raises that awareness. It raises that, like I'm on LinkedIn now. I got rid of Twitter. I got rid of Pinterest and, I've been putting a lot of effort into LinkedIn and I've added like, you're only allowed to add like a couple hundred people a week. And so I just went to genetic counselors and I've just added thousands of genetic counselors to my LinkedIn page. And a couple of them have started to express interest in like, whoa, this organization exists. Like I've got 150 Mm -hmm. patients over the last 20 years of my life that don't even know that this is out there. And it's, it's like we as a community, the more that people open up about it, they're not afraid of it. They're not, you know, they're not saying, oh, it's my son's diagnosis. We'll wait. You know, it's up to him to tell people like they can be helping people during that 13 or 14 years of their life and embracing their son's diagnosis. And it's kind of the transfer of acceptance, right? You've, 
you accepted yeah. the diagnosis when you're pregnant and now you're transferring that acceptance to your son and you'll probably yeah. educate your son throughout his life instead of dropping the bomb all at once at, you know, right before he has to go to the doctor. Um, so right. he's like, what's this? But cause we ultimately like, we know we're different. And, um, mm -hmm. I think that's something that a lot of parents have a hard time, like wrapping their head around, um, mm -hmm. especially being non-neurotypical. So that's, yeah. that's my little rant, but I appreciate your openness <laughs> and appreciate your willing to just share. Um, is there a message that you would have for like currently pregnant or, or mothers with young kids out there that kind of based off your experience? I mean, I would just say that, you know, this, this diagnosis is different for everyone. And, and like we said, it has to be addressed and, and, you know, your child has to be guided what's best for your child. So I'm, I'm going to do what's best for Julian. I'm going to take in the information that's, that's available and I'm going to research and I'm going to work with my team and you got to build a team. You've got to build a team for your children, no matter what they have or don't have. You always need to build a team for your children, love and support. And so I do, I do that for my daughter, but for my son, you know, since we're talking about XXY, he has an endocrinologist, he has an OT specialist, he has a speech therapist. He has his, you know, um, pediatric doctor. We, you know, we have this organization, Ryan, and, you know, our community, you know, I, we reach out and support each other, um, you know, and Julian knows he's loved. And Julian is Julian, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And the thing is, is that, you know, when, when children are born, it's not like you get to decide their personalities and who they are they do you have to guide them you have to support them you, you can't change you can't make somebody change who they are that's really that's really powerful it's really important to, I think I think the diagnosis of having Klinefelter syndrome changes people's perspective on maybe viewing their son as XXY and not viewing their son as the individual that he is. Right. Right. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I mean, also I think mental health is so important. And I think when you have a diagnosis, especially for those who didn't know they had this diagnosis, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, something's different but you don't know what it is. You can't figure it out and you have a hard time expressing yourself. Of course, that's going to, you know, sometimes make you feel sad or anxious or embarrassed. I mean, mental health is so important. So that's, that's the other thing, you know, while well, going back to, you know, making sure that they're loved and accepted for who they are and supported, you know, that's, you just got to make it as individual as, as possible and, you're going to have good days and bad. That's just life. <laughs> I just speaking some wisdom, you which know? I appreciate. That's, I mean, I think just people need to re be reassured. Like when you, when you had your son and, and your C-section and you saw him for the first time, 
every mother that I've talked to, the, the hundreds, if not thousands of mothers now that I've talked to that have had kids with this over the last few years have all said that as soon as their son was here, there was no, there was no thought of Kleinfelder syndrome when he like came out, you know, and a lot of families are, a lot of families are saying like, oh, we were worried that he was going to look different or, you know, the, the way our doctors made it sound. And, and that's, that's far, that's way far from the truth than, than anything. So do you have anything, yeah. el- do you have anything else that you want to say or talk about that you haven't really mentioned yet? No, just, I mean, having Julian was one of the best things for our family, you know, in that, in the sense, I mean, our family would not be complete without him. It just wouldn't. And he makes all of us better people. He drives me crazy someday, <laughs> but he makes us all better people. I mean, and even, you know, even when he's having a challenging day, you know, he's not listening at school or he's being naughty or whatever. I never look at him and say, oh, that's that guy. No, Julian, he's growing. He's going through life. He's the, he's, he's the best thing. He and my daughter are the best thing that ever happened to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade any part of Julian for anything. I think that's that's a beautiful thing to have family that just cares and knows that he has another chromosome but isn't going to allow the you know the potential negatives of the chromosome to hold him back from living his life and and being a productive member of society. Right, this isn't this isn't a prison sentence. This is not this is not something negative. This is going to be a very interesting challenging journey but who wants a boring easy journey yeah i mean (laughs) you know let's let's all evolve and grow and and that's you know that's how i prefer to to frame it i love it well i appreciate you being on the show today and and sharing a little bit about your story and um you know it's been wonderful telling your story through our blog series that a lot of our listeners can check out and now listening to you just talk about your son and being three and, and hopefully, um, you know, as the years go on and as they progress, um, we can talk more about how, what's going on with him and how things are going. Well, it's a pleasure, Ryan. And again, we are forever grateful to you and to the community for being so supportive. We love you guys. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. All right.